Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Culture Pastor, where we look at movies, music, comics, and more from the perspective of faith. This is your self-proclaimed pop culture pastor, Chris Perry. Welcome back to the show. We are starting season two today. Hope you survive the experience. Now, it's uh, been a little bit longer than what I intended when we took our break at the end of last year. But, you know, life happens. This is a side gig as much as I love it. And uh, other things came up. But I'm really excited to get back to, to this season Got a lot of exciting things for us planned out for the next several months. Uh, it's still going to be a bi-weekly show. That's every other week, not twice a week, because for some reason that word means both things. Uh, but we're going to be talking about Star Wars and The Mandalorian. We're going to talk about the worship music industry. We're going to talk about the X-Men. So yeah, a lot of things that I'm excited about, and I hope you're excited too. Now, I'm saying all this to get you pumped up, because... Uh, Unfortunately, today we're going to be talking about something that's not quite as exciting. We're going to be talking a lot about death. As many of you probably know, right now is the season of Lent. And the day after this episode is dropping is Good Friday, the day when we remember Jesus' death on the crucifixion. And so this season that we've been in, that we're coming to the end of, it's a time of thinking about our mortality it's a season of repentance. Lent is about letting go and, and giving things up. Right? Many fast from, from various things during this time. It's all meant to connect us to Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness, the time that he spent alone relying on God. And we try and do the same as we're preparing our hearts and our minds for the celebration of, of Easter. So, you know, this is all also pointing to the cross. Like I said, Good Friday is, is tomorrow, and we'll remember that, uh, that somber time when Jesus gave his life. And, you know, the reason that I think it's important to pay attention to these, these seasons is that that's just kind of how we live our lives. We live our lives in seasons. As Ecclesiastes says, uh, there is a season for everything. And we need those, those rhythms, and we need reminders of what season we're in so that we can be aware of what is appropriate to, to this time and to this place. And so with that in mind, that's where we're going to focus today. You know, we've all experienced some sort of loss or death in our lives. Uh, and if you haven't, well, just wait, because it's coming. Uh, see, isn't this a fun, exciting podcast already? And, you know, how close you were to that loss or the death that you experienced, that's going to affect how much death is on your mind. Uh, for some people, that may have been something recent. And so death is actually something you're thinking about a lot. And maybe this podcast is not so surprising after all. Maybe it's actually kind of welcome. Uh, I know that it's something that's on my mind. I know I've mentioned on the show multiple times that uh, my dad passed away in 2020. Uh, he actually died on Ash Wednesday, uh, the, the beginning of the season of Lent, which uh, seemed almost too appropriate. Uh, and I'm not going to go into all the details of, of his story, uh, but it was a pretty sudden accident, and there was a period where 
he was in the hospital and we were there with him, but uh, you know, he was unconscious through a lot of that. And so, you know, that was the point. It's not that I hadn't experienced any loss before that, but obviously this was the most intense. And, you know, as I was processing that and as we realized he was going to come to the end of his life, well, the way that I tend to process um, these sort of emotions, difficult times, is, well, through pop culture. Uh, that's, that's why I'm doing this show, because uh, it's what I already do in my life. And so part of that process uh, was coming up with a list of songs, a playlist uh, that reflects on the experience of loss and grief and death. And so that's going to kind of guide what we're talking about today. Um, it's a podcast, I've, I titled it, Remember You Are Beloved Dust. You can find that on my Spotify profile or on Apple Music. If you search for Pop Culture Pastor there, you can follow me and see that and, and plenty of other playlists. But we're going to talk about a few songs today and see what they have to say about grief and death and how we can connect that to the life that God has given us and where God meets us in those moments. So like I said, <laughs> I'm sure everyone is very excited. They won't all be this dark. I know it's probably not the best way to start the season, but this is the season that we're in. So the first song we're going to talk about is the song Fourth of July by Sufjan Stevens. This is a song from his album, Carrie and Lowell, that came out in 2015. I think it's probably his best album. It was my favorite album of that year. And it, it's him processing the death of his mother. Now, his mother abandoned him when he was very young. She had a lot of mental health issues that led to substance abuse. And I think she kind of just figured it's better, it's better for my kids if I'm just not in their lives. And so that was the case. He would see her occasionally. Uh, he would spend a lot of time with, with grandparents, I think it was mostly who raised him. Uh, but she was in and out of his life and, until the end of her life when she died of cancer in 2012. And so as you can imagine, uh, there's a lot of complex emotions in that. And so this song that we're looking at first it's a conversation between the two of them as she's dying in the hospital. You know, and it's, it's a beautiful song. Uh, the way podcasts work, you can only play about 30 seconds of it, so we'll, we'll do some. But I encourage you to, if you haven't heard this song and the other ones we're talking about today, go and find them uh, when you're ready for you know, to be punched in the gut emotionally. Because it is such a beautiful, heartbreaking song. The names that they have for each other, like... My Firefly and Little Loon, uh, you, you feel uh, the grief and the tension, but also the love. You know, as I mentioned, grief is always complicated, especially when the relationship is unresolved in some way. You know, obviously, he had unresolved issues with his mother, and, and so it wasn't just the grief of she's dead, it's the grief of all the things that you wanted to say throughout your life or, or things you wished you could have experienced, what, what you miss out on in the future. And you know, he actually you know, talked about this song in particular in an interview with Pitchfork, and Sufian said, it was so terrifying to encounter death 
and have to reconcile that and express love for someone so unfamiliar. Her death was so devastating to me because of the vacancy within me. At that point, I was only interested in communicating my love for her unconditionally. There was a reciprocal deep love and care for each other in that moment. It was very profound and healing. You know, one of the first lines is, you know, what could I have said? And I, I wonder the conversation of this song, it's, you know, of, of the verse is him speaking and in the chorus is his mother speaking back to him. You know, I wonder how much of that is actually what was said on her deathbed. How much is him, you know, putting words into her mouth or saying now what he wishes he had said then? I don't know. I know that is a part of grief as you imagine all these conversations that, uh, that you might have wanted to have. You know, I didn't get to have any final conversations with my dad, and so I think a lot about what he might have said, and you know, I, I said things to him that uh, you know, hopefully that they say that they can hear, but you never know. And so, but what we heard in that quote is, this is he said this is someone unfamiliar. He's losing his mother, and he feels like he doesn't really know her. There was a vacancy within him. And yet, and in those final moments, what came out was not anger at her for what she had done. Uh, it, it was unconditional love. And he felt that from her in that moment and, and felt some sort of healing. And there are a lot of emotions. We're going to talk about more of them. Uh, but you know, in those important final moments, love is the thing that comes across the most. And I think that is what she's trying to communicate to him in this song. So let's listen to a little bit of Fourth of July by Sufjan Stevens. Make the most of your life While it is right, while it is light While you do enough talk My little hawk, why do you cry? Tell me what did you learn from the tiller Okay, <laughs> so what did you learn? That's the question that she's asking. And, you know, it's not the sense that, oh, well, you know, this happens so you can learn a lesson. But, you know, what do we learn from the ways that lives end? I think that's the question he's trying to deal with, whether his mom asked him that directly or, or not, as she does in the song. And the, the metaphor that gets used in the chorus is, you know, what did you learn from the Tillamook burn, which was a famous forest fire, or the fireworks on the 4th of July? I think it reminds us that the beauty of a life, well, it's short-lived. Right? How long does a firework actually last? It's, it's beautiful when it happens, but it doesn't last forever. And I don't know if this was a deeper intent in the song, but you know, both of those examples are, are fire, right? They're things that burn, which is also true of relationships. It was certainly true in Sufyan's life that his relationship with his mother uh, left a lot of wounds and scars. It, it left destruction, just like a forest fire does. And yet there is beauty, you know, that's, that's why fire is such a good metaphor, that it, it has such power, and, and that's what love is. And so I think part of this song is him processing 
what that love, as insufficient as it was during his life, meant to him and and what it left behind. You know, we love the people that we have while we have them. We love them for what they are, not for what we think they should have been, because that's all there is. Now, the final line of the chorus is, we're all going to die, <laughs> which uh, tone matters. Right? How you say that phrase, uh, it carries a different sort of weight, right? It could be depressing. Well, we're all going to die. It could be terrifying. You know, that that's I imagine somebody shouting that as they're running from you know terrible destruction. But it can also just be sobering. It's it's a fact. Uh, he's not saying anything else about it. It's just true. We are all going to die. And I think that's actually pretty appropriate to this season that we're in. I mentioned it earlier, but the season of Lent and the Christian calendar, it starts with Ash Wednesday, which is a day that's all about recognizing our mortality. The The phrase that is said, uh, if you go to the kind of service, they'll uh, mark dust on your forehead in the shape of a cross and say, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. Uh, it's based on what it says in Genesis, where we come from and also where all of us are going. And I didn't grow up in, in a kind of tradition where we did that on Ash Wednesday or even know what that was, but uh, it was something I came to a little bit later in life. And I can remember my first experience going to an Ash Wednesday service and being a little taken aback or surprised, uh, thinking, well, you can't end the story there. Right? That's not all, all there is to it. What about the hope that we have? But as I've reflected on it more, I, I actually appreciate that it stops the story where it is and so that we could focus on that moment. We don't want to rush to a happy ending, but we have to actually just sit, well, in the dust, in the ashes, and recognize that we are mortal creatures. And that kind of wisdom, it comes through a lot in Scripture. I think of Psalm 90 where it talks about the need for us to, to number our days, both in the sense of, well, I don't have all the time in the world, and so I need to pay attention to that, but, but not count them in this anxious, meticulous way. Maybe it's a sense of, of recognizing what moment am I in right now? I'm in this season, so how can I appreciate this season for what it is? You know, when we think about death, we're not just talking about what happens at the end of our lives. We're also thinking about the little ways that we die every day, the way that, the way that life goes in a direction we wouldn't have expected. It's the death of our hopes sometimes. It's the loss of this moment that won't come again. You know, my daughter won't always be five, and I can either you know, ignore that, or I can try and be angry about it for some reason, or I can acknowledge that this is the time that I'm in and to love it as best I can. The cross demonstrates that death is actually also the path to life. Jesus famously talks about this in, in John 12, one of the last sections of the gospel before, before he's going to his final days. He says, that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for the life of the age to come. Now, I don't think that it's saying we should just stoically accept this fact that we're all going to die. 
because both Sufyan and his song and Jesus and his ministry, they grieve. And so we live in this tension that we don't want to ignore death. We don't want to be afraid of death. The fear of death, I think, is what's behind a lot of the, the bad choices that we make. Instead, we acknowledge that it's coming, and we acknowledge also that more comes from it, that it can bear much fruit, whatever that looks like. We're not saying that every time there's a death, well, you know, something good is going to happen. It's more complex than that. I think Henry Nouwen says it best. He says that death is an enemy, but we are called to love our enemies. Now, that's a bit of a mystery, but well, as Sufyan says in another song, it's a mystery of love. How's that to the start of the season? Well, next, we're not going to talk about a specific song as in-depth as we just did. Uh, there's about 13 songs on the playlist that seem like the right number for a, for a playlist about death. Instead, I wanted to mention some of the songs and just talk about the, the mood or the, or the approach to grief that they take, because there's a lot of different ways that we feel during times of loss. Famously, there are the five stages of grief or dying, but those stages are really for someone who's experiencing their own death and coming to terms with that, not for someone who's experiencing the loss of someone else. In either case, there's no clear progression through them, and I think for those of us who are left behind and left grieving, it is so back and forth, and you can feel different emotions every day. Sometimes you feel conflicting emotions at the same time. And I know, at least in my experience, the further you get away from the loss itself, the more random they are in terms of you know everything's fine, and then something happens that reminds you, and, and you're kind of back where you were. You know, just yesterday... Uh, I've been with my kids on my own for a little bit, and so trying to be a good dad, which of course always makes me think about my own, and uh, as I was driving them to school, a, a cardinal flew in front of me, which I'm sure most people know uh, is taken as a sign that a loved one is, is thinking of you, so that kind of brought tears to my eyes, and then the same day, I, I was working on stuff for this episode, and Henry, uh, the dog that my mom adopted, after my dad passed, uh, he, he's staying with us right now, and he came and he just put his head on my lap and uh, made me cry again. So you never know when grief is going to come. You never know how it's going to make you feel. And so I, I wanted to try and capture that with the songs that I included here. One of the feelings, especially when uh, a loss first happens, is denial or, or shock. So the song that I think best expresses that emotion is a song by Radiohead called How to Disappear Completely. One of the phrases that gets repeated through that song is, this isn't happening, I'm not here. Because that's just kind of how it is. It, it just, it's an unreal experience being in a hospital or thinking about what's just happened. Now, I don't think the song is written about the, the process of grief, and I think a lot of us have experienced that in all sorts of difficult times and in, in any sort of loss where we just kind of look at each other and be like, is this really happening? That uh, We don't want to believe it. And that is very often how we feel. And, you know, a lot of people would say this is one of Radiohead's best songs. And so it definitely captures that mood. 
of shock. Another feeling that comes out is anger or rage. So the song that I included for this emotion is I Know the End by Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, Now, really, it's the end of the song. There's like this primal scream that uh, it really spoke to me. This song came out in 2020, and it just kind of felt like that summed up that whole year for all the things that we lost and and all of us were grieving in that moment. Uh, The song's not all angry. It's uh, really kind of builds towards that. Uh, A lot of the beginning of the song is more in a place of acceptance or acknowledging that loss is happening. Uh, One of the lines in it that stands out to me is, uh, you had to go, I know, I know, I know, like a wave that crashed and melted on the shore. That, that's a sense in which a life is it's part of something bigger, and it just it's, it ends, and yet it's still there. You know, the water's still there. That's maybe a little bit more of a, a Buddhist way of thinking about, about life. Uh, if you watch The Good Place, there's a, a scene at the very end of that series that uh, talks about life and death in a similar way that I love. But I think that still makes sense if we think of God as the ground of all being um, in whom we live and move and have our being, as, as Paul says in Acts, uh, that we're all connected in that sense. And so even when someone is gone, it's not the end, <laughs> even though we know it's the end. Now, I'm not going to say more about Phoebe Bridgers right now because we're going to talk about her a little bit more in our next episode. Now, like I mentioned earlier, sometimes the motions that we feel during grief are, are kind of mixed up. And the way I would describe some of the other songs that I included is a kind of joyful sadness. So there's songs like Sweetness Follows by R.E.M. and You and Everything by Gang of Youth. Uh, Sweetness Follows uh, is from the album Automatic for the People from uh, 1992, which I loved when I was a kid, R.E.M. was one of the first bands I got into. Uh, That whole album was really about mortality and loss, which I didn't realize at the time. Uh, And it's only been clearer until recently. I mean, Everybody Hurts is on that album, so that's fairly obvious. Uh, And the first line from this song talks about burying your father, which is pretty obvious, and, and you can understand why it connects with me. Uh, it, it just has this intense vibe, uh, because, and so it really captures the emotion of, of how you feel in that moment. So I want you to hear a little bit of Sweetness Follows from R.E.M. Ready and to bury your father and your mother, what did you think when you lost a I really wish I knew how they made that intense sound that is kind of in the background of the whole song because, man, that really, I don't know how you even describe that emotion. It's just, it's emotional. And, you know, the song is called Sweetness Follows. It's acknowledging that there is something that comes after that intense emotion. A line that gets repeated in a couple different ways says, live your life filled with joy and thunder. And so we still do have to live in, in spite of all that we've endured. And hopefully we find 
uh, sweet moments past that. I also mentioned the song You and Everything by Gang of Youths. Uh, my friend Blake and I talked a lot about them at our end of the year music episode, uh, so you can go back and listen to that, because their album Angel in Real Time was one of our favorites. Uh, and so, you know, this is a playlist that I keep updating when new good songs about grief come out. And as I mentioned in that previous episode, uh, I don't think there were any songs that I don't think there was another song that made me weep more last year. So, you know, it gets points for that, I guess. It's just a song that acknowledges that we still sense the presence of our, of our loved ones and whatever we're going through, like, like I kind of mentioned earlier with the Cardinal or with the dog. And so grief is, it's a mixed bag, right? That we can be missing a loved one and thankful for the time that we had them. And those are the most meaningful moments, you know, it's weird whenever the actual anniversary of, of a loss comes around, that ends up being how I feel about it, that I'm just thankful for what I had, even uh, for as short as it may have been. Now, I, I mention all these different emotions, things like shock and anger and sadness and joy, because it's important for us to hold all of them together. And my experience as a pastor, I, I see a lot of what I would say is a pretty bad Christian attitude about grief, which is, well, don't, right? Don't be sad. They're okay. They're in a better place. And so you really shouldn't be that sad about what's going on. If Jesus wept and got angry at death, as it tells us in John 11, even when he's going to raise his friend Lazarus from the dead, if Jesus felt all of that, then I think all emotions are allowed and we should allow people to experience them. This is one of the reasons that I kind of hate going to funerals if I'm not involved in them in some way, because that's usually the message. Don't be sad. They're in a better place. Uh, they won't even call it a funeral. It's a celebration of life. I don't think that attitude comes from faith. I think that's just trying to avoid these complicated emotions that we don't know what to do with. And maybe music is something that helps you. I know it helps me. And there's probably lots of other emotions that you could experience uh, going through grief. And these are just a few that, that stood out to me. Now, I mentioned that we often don't know what to do or say when someone's dying or when there's been a loss. And that actually leads into the next song I want to talk about, the song Elephant by Jason Isbell. So this song is off of his album Southeastern from 2014. It's a, a story song, so he's not describing his own experience, but creating some characters to kind of dive into this. I'm sure there's probably some similar emotions based on other things that he's experienced. Uh, but the story is about two friends who are spending most of their time at a bar, and one of them is dying of cancer. And so they're trying to enjoy their time together, but her death is looming. And the title of the song, Elephant, refers to, you know, the well-known idiom. It's the elephant in the room. They're just trying to ignore it somehow, either because neither of them knows what to say or it's just kind of a fact. And so what else do we need to say about it? And, you know, there's different ways that you can understand that, that approach that could be positive or negative. You know, if it needs to be talked about, then you probably should. But sometimes you don't have to make that the thing that you're always discussing or working through. 
if you don't have much time left, you maybe want to enjoy it. And it sounds like that's kind of what they're trying to do in, in this song. But this is a question that, that we all have. What do you talk about when someone is dying or when someone has just gone through something difficult? I think most of us don't really know what to say, and yet we feel like we should say something. And what I hear a lot, unfortunately, are a lot of bad theological statements. Right? We want to be able to explain why this happened, and so we come up with whatever answer we can based on uh, who knows what. So people will say, you know, everything happens for a reason. They don't know what the reason is, but they want to believe there is some reason why this tragedy happened. Or it's so that you can learn something, or so that you can be an example to someone else. Or even worse things about, you know, God just wanted them more, or God needed an angel that make God seem pretty petty. You know, all these bad theological statements, it's an attempt to make sense of something that doesn't make sense. And yet, I think what's better is to just let it not make sense. It is just awkward sometimes, and maybe there isn't anything to say. I think of the book of Job, where his three friends come, and they spend most of their time complaining to him about, you know, we know why this happened to you when he went through this tragedy, when they're completely wrong, but they have to make sense of it in their own theology. The only good thing that they do is they come and they sit in silence in the dust and ashes with them. And so maybe that's what we're called to do, as uncomfortable as it may be. Sometimes the only thing you can say is, wow, this, this really sucks. And that's the most honest response that we can give. Now, the, the reason this song really stands out to me is not just you know, acknowledging the elephant in the room or not. Uh, it's this line that comes at the end. There's one thing that's real clear to me No one dies with dignity You just try to ignore the elephant somehow You just try to ignore the elephant somehow No one dies with dignity. Do you believe that? Do you want to believe the opposite, that there's a dignified way to die? Well, how do you think your death is going to come? I think it's probably not something we think about. Or maybe you do. I don't know. But I think in our imagination, it's, it's going to be peaceful, that we want to be surrounded by loved ones. We want to be able to give final words of wisdom and love. And that does happen for some people, but there's no guarantee and I think in a lot of cases, it doesn't look like we imagine, like we would want it to happen, if we can even acknowledge the fact that death is coming. You know, the actual process of dying is often ugly. It is often slower than expected. And whether or not you want to call that dignified, I guess that's in the eye of the beholder, but it, death itself is not a pretty thing. And so it could be someone going when they're unconscious in a hospital room, surrounded by beeps and doctors going about their day uh, doing this for lots of people. Someone can go suddenly in a car crash, or someone can die naked on a cross. That's one of the things that I think we need to remember about the crucifixion of the end of Jesus' life, that when Scripture talks about it, 
it's mostly in terms of the shame. Obviously, it was a painful way to go. The Romans knew what they were doing, but a lot of what they were trying to do is to shame people, to make this the most disgraceful way that you could go, to take away every shred of dignity of these, these criminals. It is not a noble, dignified death. It's a way of embarrassing people and showing this is what happens when you stand up to empire. It doesn't come across in pretty much any art, but Jesus was crucified naked. I mean, the New Testament tells us that they took his clothes away at the end. I mean, he literally died exposed to everyone, which is not what we want, right? We want it to be a private thing. Maybe that's why we don't talk about death, because it feels undignified to even mention it, and so we don't. You know, Jason Isbell argues that there is no such thing as death with dignity, and I don't know, I'm kind of inclined to agree, and yet we can also acknowledge that that's where Jesus meets us. The book of Hebrews tells us towards the end that Jesus suffered outside the city gate, so now let's go to him outside the camp, bearing his shame. You know, if we're Christians, we don't follow a Savior who had this beautiful, noble death, dying as he would want. He died in the most shameful way, and we're called to accept that. Part of carrying our cross means that we are willing to take on the shame that comes in life and maybe also in death, but to know that that shame is not the end of the story. Death very often is undignified, but it's not the end. And so when I was putting together this, this playlist, uh, I wanted it to end with some note of hope, with the enduring power of love. And so the last song is uh, the song As by Stevie Wonder. Just as time knew to move on since the beginning And the seasons know exactly when to change Just as kindness knows no shame Nothing for your joy and pain So I know there are any number of songs that express the idea of I'll be loving you always, but something about this song just really spoke to me in in this moment uh, and in this context of life and death, because, you know, so much of this song is about, you no matter what else happens, love will endure. I think that is a central part of of what we believe. Uh, There's a funeral liturgy uh, that says, For your faithful Lord, life is changed, not ended. So we believe that in some sense life doesn't end when it does. And it all comes down to love. Because love never fails. Love has no end. Uh, And so whatever we endure, uh, death itself doesn't have more power. You know, as the quote from uh, the WandaVision show says, uh, you know, what is grief but love persevering? It's because the love is still there, but the person's not, that, that we feel grief. And so this song, I think, speaks to that. Uh, it's, you know, I wish I could play more of it. It's like seven minutes. Um, but again, I encourage you to go check out all these songs that I've talked about. And uh, I did try and think a lot about the movement of how we process this. Not that it's easy, not that you don't feel like you're going back and forth all the time, but we do 
rest in in love, that we believe the story comes down to that, uh, no matter what else happens in this life. Well, speaking of the consolation of love, uh, that moves us into uh, one of the things that we always end our show with, which is our pop culture consolations and desolations. So this is taking the spiritual practice of the examination of consciousness, uh, looking at normally looking at the presence of God in your life, but we're using this to just talk about what has been life-giving and not life-giving in the world of pop culture. Now, since it's been a, four months since I've uh, been on here, uh, I have plenty of things to, to talk about, uh, mostly consolations, uh, as far as I can remember. So one consolation that is actually in line with what we're talking about today is uh, I've been reading the book Crying in H Mart by Michelle, by Michelle Zahner, better known through her musical project of Japanese Breakfast. Uh, I've listened to her music for years, uh, but I hadn't read the book yet. It came out in 2021, and it, it kind of been on, on, on my list since then. And so I finally got a copy, and a uh, reason to say it's relevant is it's mostly a memoir of her dealing with the loss of her mother when she was about 25. Um, and there's a lot that goes into her culture, being uh, her mom being Korean and her being half Korean and raised in America, and the way that food was uh, something that tied them together. And um, yeah, the the things that she gets into, it's a very different experience in, in a lot of ways, and yet a lot of it still resonates. Uh, so not an easy, fun read, but uh, Crying in H-Mart, definitely recommended. Uh, my new favorite show for this year is Poker Face. Uh, it's a show that's on Peacock, stars Natasha Lyonne as uh, a woman who somehow has the ability to tell when any, whenever somebody is lying, and she uses that to solve murders and crimes. It's a little bit of a throwback to you know the murder mystery shows of the 70s, but I would say it's very... Uh, of the time and, and very well made. Uh, Ryan Johnson, who did who did the Knives Out movies and Star Wars: The Last Jedi, is the writer and creator, uh, and so he's very good at writing these sorts of stories. It's a lot of fun. Uh, so really appreciated that new show. Uh, that's our favorite so far this year. Other consolations would be uh, the Oscars, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, won almost all the awards, it seems like. Uh, now, I was probably like the last person in the world to see it, and I was kind of embarrassed about that, being someone who you know, has a pop culture podcast, but uh, it's an amazing movie if you haven't heard, uh, and so it was nice to see it get the recognition for that, especially considering how weird it is. I think it's a little relevant to our conversation today, just in the sense of so much of that movie is about the loss of possibilities and wondering what your life could have been and looking back with regret. And you know that often comes up at the end of life, uh, but this movie is approaching it in a very interesting way. The last thing I wanted to mention as far as the consolations, uh, just something personally that I've been working on is going back and uh, revisiting the best music of, of recent years. You know, for the past five years or so, I've been making lists of my favorite songs and uh, albums of the year, but there was a period where I didn't really do that much. And so I've been going back and um, rediscovering things that I loved from like the early 2010s and even finding some, some new music. Uh, well, new to me, <laughs> things from about 10 years ago that I missed when I wasn't paying quite as much attention. So 
like I said, if you follow me on uh, Apple Music or Spotify, you can see all those playlists. So if you want to see what music I thought was great from 2012, uh, go check it out. It was a good year. All right, so as for my pop culture desolation, what has not been life-giving, the the trend really that I've noticed so far is that I just haven't really cared about superhero movies this year, which if you know me, I am quite a big fan of the comic book world. And so, you know, I just didn't care when Black Adam came out and Quantumania, the the third Ant-Man movie, just... Didn't really have much interest in seeing. It probably doesn't help that I know it's going to be on the streaming services that I'm paying for in just a few months. So I can just go ahead and wait for that. Um, so I don't know if this you know, really means that we've reached that saturation point that people have been worried about for years. Or if those were both just movies that weren't that great. Uh, same for Shazam 2. You know, I wasn't that interested, but then heard it wasn't that great. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is coming out in about a month, and I am excited about that. I will go see that in the theater, so I, I think it's a little presumptuous to say that superhero movies are dead. Boring movies just aren't that interesting. Well, as we come to the end of our show, uh, we want to get serious for just a moment. You know, We've been talking a lot about what season we're in in the Christian calendar, and today... Thursday is called Monday Thursday, the day that we remember the Last Supper. Uh, and that, that weird name comes from the word for commandment, and it's based on what Jesus says in John 13, 34 and 35. And so, in the same way, a new command I give you, that you love one another, love expressed by sharing this podcast. If I, your pop culture pastor, have shared this podcast with you, you also should share it with one another. By this, they will know that you are my disciples. You are my online friends if you do what I command. Well, Pop Culture Pastor is produced by me. Our theme music is Be Thou My Vision from the 8-Bit Hymnal by Mr. Tyler Larson. Our show comes out every other Thursday on your preferred podcast platform. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Pop Culture Pastor for more content. Next time, we're going to be talking about Boy Genius, uh, the supergroup of Phoebe Bridgers, Lucy Dacus, and Julian Baker. We're going to continue a series that we started last season that we called Haunted by Transcendence, where we look at secular music and see where it's still searching for something sacred, something that I think we see in their music. So that's in two weeks. For now, you are dismissed. Go in peace.